Good afternoon, Footstop Fab listeners, and welcome to episode, I believe, number 11. I, I got it wrong the last episode of the Footstock Hub podcast. It's been a few changes this week to the way that we we run these things, um, not, not necessarily the podcast, but we have actually started now to introduce our Patreon. Now, I was going to get this out of the way before we before we go into the podcast. This is not a case of A, us trying to make profit, B, any of the free content will continue to be free. Nothing changes on that front. This is purely to give extra content to those that want it and just to try and give us a way of covering the costs of a website and a podcast, as I'm sure you can appreciate, these things are not free. And after doing this now for a long time, by also losing money every month, it gets to a certain stage where you decide that maybe we need to do something about that. Okay, so for the first kind of three months, like six months probably, we're not looking to make a profit at all, purely cover costs and anything else that comes in will be thrown back out in giveaways and all of those kinds of things. So if you are interested, if you go onto the Footstock Hub um, Twitter page, there is it's, it's the pinned tweet and um, have a look at the Patreon. There's two different tiers. Have a look at what we're offering. And if you feel like you would like to support the page, we would really, really appreciate that. And like I said, I just want to reiterate, everything that we currently do will remain free. None of that is changing. This is purely all extra for those that want to go the extra mile and show us a little bit of thanks. So now that is out of the way, we are here with probably many people's arch nemesis on the Footstock Contest leaderboards. Um, you would have heard from many a time, but we have Footstock Monkey. David, how are you doing so far, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. I think it's been a little while, but mainly that's because of the break, wasn't it? Exactly that. Yeah, I think this is your, your second appearance on the on the podcast. Obviously, you're now my, my co-host on the preview contest. So that went out, um, this will go on Sunday. That went out on Thursday. Obviously, we've got the exciting double game week coming up this week. Now, David, I'm sure lots of people would have heard about you, would have known about you. But just in case anybody doesn't, do you want to give us a very brief overview on on how long you've been on the platform, experience, all those kind of things? Um, well, I started out, I was OG uh, footstock. So joined during the Indiegogo campaign, like quite a few of the, the older members. And then I had some health problems. So I played it religiously, got really into it at the start. Played it for, I don't know, two or three months. Because I thought, if I recall, it came in towards the end of the season. And then my health problems got greater and greater, which have been mentioned on another podcast. So I'm not going to go over the whole thing again. But um, that sort of really, like, I was laid low until probably March last year, maybe a little bit later than that, when I started seeing the virtuals popping up on my Twitter feed. I thought, oh, I'll go and have another quick look. And I slowly got back into it. Um, my collection wasn't that big at the time. Um, it's still not massive, although comparatively speaking, it's probably a lot bigger than a lot of people's. But, um, you know, slowly got back into it, took um, a bit of time sort of learning the matrix again, getting back into it. And then slowly the results started to come. Yeah, we certainly um, see you at the top of the leaderboards quite a lot. And it is something that there's quite a few questions later on on times of strategy and, and how how do you look and, along these sort of things. Um, so we'll actually get into a couple of those now before we move on to a couple of other points that I just want to, to have a chat about. Um, so would you say that your main focus on the platform is 
are you purely contests or do you look at the, the other ways on the platform to play it or are you purely I do my research I enter my players and I will hopefully try and win more than I put in I think w- w- when I came back to the platform that was most definitely my strategy and buying the players I bought were uh, specifically targeted to tournaments I think you can only go so far with that and as a long-term strategy I think it's important over time that especially new users learn to master different areas of the platform and so I'd say now trading although definitely not the strongest part of my you know footstock game it's something I'm doing a lot more of buying players I think will appreciate in value and then selling a couple of them as game days approach just to make a little bit you know it's probably minimal compared to my contest winnings but it all adds up and possibly the most important part is ensuring that I get contest credit at a reduced fee. And I know that's something that you've banged on about and, you know, virtually every podcast. And it it really is worth banging on about because if you're paying 100% of a contest entry fee, you're doing it wrong. Honestly, there's so many ways, whether it's buying inactive players for, you know, 55p and then selling them on for 60p back to footstock. That sounds like 5p and it is 5p but over time that adds up you do 100 of those and suddenly got a silver entry you know and and that's the way it works and I really I I should have kept track of these sort of thing and I've been buying a lot of players recently that I think will go either inactive now or inactive in the summer with a view to sort of selling them you know I have like 150 of certain players I'm not going to say which ones but of certain fairly obvious players like you know Christian Fuchs and stuff like that who I think are going to go inactive either this transfer window or the next transfer window and I've been buying them at 30p 35p you know and I'm going to make 50 you know sometimes 100% profit on those but um, yeah so that's it I would say it's sort of three faceted sort of looking at those players for tournaments gaining contest credit and then doing a little bit of trading yeah, that like you said, I, I bang on about it all the time, but it is such an, an easy win. You don't have to be talented, really. It probably takes five minutes. I mean, I this week, I mean, I've managed to have uh, Matt Macy's gone inactive, at Arsenal goalkeeper. He's not played for however long. And my average buy price is about 25p and I had about 200. And straight away then, like I said, it's over 100% profit. And that means that even if I am a break-even contest player, which Touchwoods, thankfully, I've been better than that. You're making money, and there's nowhere else, no other platform, no other DFS site that you can be a break-even player yet still be in profit. And that's for me something that really just stands footstock out. But people still don't seem to get into the habit of trying to get the discounted credit. Like you said, a 55p to 60p, do it 10 times. There's your one pound bronze entry. And a lot of people just play bronzes. So what's that? Five pound a week. You could make that. You could never pay for a contest, I'm convinced. If you were just a bronze player, £5 a week, you could never pay for a contest in your life. You could do it all through credit from Footstock. And the thing that I keep going on about now is that potentially, obviously, it's going to get harder to do. But right now, it's so easy to get credit. And that's something that actually kind of brings me on to the the next thing I want to talk about. So again, there's been a lot of chat this week that we seem to see a lot of all about how but how do I make money on footstock? And it's not, it's not the case of how do I make money? It's the case of people are expecting to just do nothing 
and make money does that make sense and i think yeah. there's so many people and i hate i hate mentioning it, i really do but so many people have come over from the the thought of i can buy a player and leave it three years and do nothing footstock is so different there are so many ways to make money but you have to earn it not many things in life you just get money for nothing in fact nothing pretty much you don't just get money for doing absolutely nothing but if you work at footstock and if you put research into your contest if you look at the fixtures um, in advance and trade if you trade daily between the spreads if you do this that and the other there are so many ways to make money on footstock which is why i can't understand where people go oh but i've not done anything for six months but i haven't made any money it's like okay well there's probably a reason for that and people are so into this habit of you can just do nothing um how have you found your biggest profit margin is that all through contests or would you say that actually you've made quite a bit of money elsewhere or like you said your trading is kind of minimal but do you still see half decent percentage gains from that um yeah as i said i don't really track my trading which you know is probably a mistake and it would probably because i used to buy a lot of packs uh when they were profitable um and even now i think the new player packs were profitable for a point and now not so much because a lot of the leeds players now suddenly you know shot up to four stars um so i'm not really not buying any of those anymore i think the most profitable packs at the moment or from what I've worked out, are the, the cheap packs. Um, there's you know, a surprising number of one-star players but um, that have got decent value. But to answer your question, I think that uh, tournament winnings really has got to be my sort of biggest area. I worked out since August 1st, I think my ROI on tournaments was 60%. It's actually gone up a little bit since then. And... Over that same period, I've got £31,583 in contest winnings. And that's without accounting for discounted credit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of those entries will have been discounted credit. I it's difficult to work out, but I would guess my ROI when you take into account discount, discounted credit would be 80% or higher. So what's that? So 16, 17,000 pounds profit on contest winnings. Yeah, which is crazy. So a lot, isn't it? Some of that I've taken off the platform, but a lot of that I've used to expand my collection because as I said, when I returned to the platform, it was quite small. Yeah, no, it's there are so many ways and I'm not having anyone that, that tells me you can't make money on the platform. You absolutely can, but it's not a platform where you can make money by doing nothing. And that's the big mistake. I think those that are active and those that are engaged do make a, a fair decent amount of money. And I understand that the people go, well, but I can't be engaged all the time. I can't be on it every day. I'm not talking every day. I could log on now for 10 minutes, look at the fixtures for the monster, log off for two weeks, buy all the players that are going to be needed now, come back on in two weeks and go, well, look, I can sell them all just before now. That's not having to be engaged and active. I could be on it for 20 minutes within two weeks. And I reckon I could make a fair amount. Obviously, it's not difficult to look at, oh, there's monster fixtures. Some of them are quite favourable. Some players are going to be favourable. I'm going to buy them now because there's so many people that baffles me that just buy on the day as if they've never been prepared. Um, and that's why the edge comes. And that, that's for me is there's such a big thing around that. Um, okay, we're going to get straight into questions because as always, there's quite a lot. So again, I say it every week, but thank you very, very much to everyone that does submit them because it makes the podcast a lot better. So 
a nice one from Hoodwink to start. Do you do a lot of research of stats for contests or mainly down to your knowledge and regular choices? If so, are there any sites or people you recommend? Um, I do do a lot of research and there, there are a few sites I use, basically because I played before I, play, before I started playing footstock, I was playing on DraftKings quite regularly. And so I use a lot of stat sites for that. For goal scorers and stuff like that, I just religiously use SofaScore, I find it. It may not be the exact quickest down to a millisecond, but it's pretty quick. It's pretty accurate. And you can go back, you know, inside a player's profile for two years to look at, like, you know, number of dribbles they did in a game a couple of years ago and stuff like that. So that's pretty useful. Um, I use RotoWire, which is a DFS platform, which is really good for soccer which has stats for who's taking corners for each team and how many corners were taken, how many open crosses, all of those sort of things. You do need a subscription for that, but it really isn't that much. Um, and then on top of that, I just shoot, I, a lot of it is down to sort of watching a lot of football. You know, you have a feel for certain players. You know, sometimes you have a feel for a team that you think's on a rise. Maybe their XG, you know, is lower than it should be or higher than it should be and therefore you think they're probably due a, you know a, you know flipping form um but yeah no there's just a lot of football knowledge that's secured from watching occurred from watching far too much football what about you because you're the same you're a tournament player as well yeah I'm, I'm absolutely and i do i wouldn't say i do loads and loads i say i look at if, if the tournament's on the Saturday, I'd look on the morning and, you know, look at the, the injuries and suspensions. And I'd, I'd look at kind of four or five lineup prediction sites. And I tend to only pick players that everyone's predicting because I'm getting annoyed of being, being done by me putting in a risky selection that never pays off. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd do a, a, an hour for a contest. I wouldn't say I'd do loads, but to other people, that would be a lot. But I feel like DFS for me, and I'm, I've never done anything DFS-wise really before Footstock, is all about making the least mistakes. And if I can minimise that by not putting in a, a doubt, not putting in an injury, not putting in a suspension. I mean, the Adama Troy this week obviously it killed me. However, someone put on after there was an article that he came off injured on the, the Friday, the FA Cup game, and I just missed it. So it's one of those that if that's my fault and I've made a mistake, if I'd not made that mistake, I would have been a lot because pretty much he was in most lineups along with Sterling who decided to, to miss a penalty. So I think I do enough to try and minimise my mistakes rather than really going as in to, to make me gain stuff. I think that's probably the way I go. I can't agree with you more about the, the fewest mistakes possible. And I think that's something that the biggest winners in DFS or across other sports like the big American sports, which, you know, have hundreds of thousands of users in competitions, you know, with first prizes of a million dollars every single week. Now, that would be nice if Footstock got to that. But, you know, you never know. But, um, you know, the, the, they just bang on on the podcast they do about the fewest mistakes possible, you know, making sure your players are playing and, Probably a big shout out to Ben Dinnery because Ben Dinnery is the Twitter account that when it's coming up to lock, I will follow the most. I literally have him on like every tweet he does comes up on my phone just so I can keep track of what's happening. He doesn't catch everything, but you know, he makes choosing teams a lot easier. No, I'd absolutely agree with that. Yeah, Ben Dinnery is a good one. I, I do use a few of the 
I don't use like who I use who scored for things like injuries and suspensions and stuff, but I tend to just, yeah, I think trying to get as many sources as possible is probably the best route to go down. So Ronnie has actually asked a, a question um, kind of following up from that. And actually Hoodwink and Ronnie were both on the podcast last week. So if, if you missed that one, please go and give it a listen. I thought it was a really good one. Um, so he's asked on top of that question by Hoodwink, any particular strategy and do you feel you do better entering one or two in a particular tournament or when you max out entries? Does your strategy change depending on the amount of entries? So I'm assuming it's going down the route of, are you a, a hedger or are you a, quite an aggressive man? Uh, I've become more aggressive. Um you know, in the past, when I had a win, often you would see my name, you know, maybe in the top three, but you wouldn't see it anywhere else caching. And that's because I was trying to hedge different sort of entries. And I found that whilst I got I got lucky, personally, I won the, the virtual championship, you know, for over four grand. And that's fantastic. But if you take that out of my results, then, you know, they start to look a lot worse. Obviously, they're still okay. So I thought, you know, I'd try and be a, bit, a little bit more decisive and sort of pick teams and go with those. I still do use silver to hedge a little bit. I know you don't anymore. Um, and my silver results are pathetic compared to my gold results. So it's no surprise. So maybe I'll change that in the future. But sometimes I just have a feeling that, you know, uh, one of these underdogs is going to win. And I thought, I'll oh, sod it. Let's just go with it in silver. Um, but uh and gen generally, I max. Um, you know, there's certainly not enough entries, even in the, um, the monster, to try and build every single possible combination. But um, I just, you know, I have a bit of time on my hands and I'm happy to max. So. Yeah, no, I I always say I'm not going in. The, the tickets always draws you in. Um, How many are you on for the month? I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> um, I'm only on two. I'm only on two. So I'm not doing particularly well. Uh, what are you on at the minute? Uh, nine at the moment, I think. Yeah, I think you and Ben PZ, I think, is on about 10 or something stupid as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I actually... I mean, last month, but... Yeah, it's... I actually... Do you track where you get the most from? Is it gold, silver or bronze? Uh, this month, so far, it's bronze, weirdly, which I traditionally have done awfully in this month. I've won two already yeah no it's weird how it all comes in in kind of peaks and troughs doesn't it i mean that's what i mean ben last month he, he won't mind me saying but he he couldn't hit a barn door for about three weeks i'm in a group chat of him and he was just he was getting so frustrated and then this month it just seems to be every contest he's he's winning it and it's like that's what you have to be prepared for you have to be prepared for taking the rubbish i mean he's done he was poor the previous three weeks and he could quite easily have gone right that's it i'm reducing one one entry per thing but He's he's got a bankroll and he goes right. Well, this eventually it's going to turn. I, I back myself. And this month he's you know his ROI is brilliant in the new um, footstock leaderboard. He's top by quite a way. So it, it's always the rough with the smooth, and it's one of those things that I also bang on about quite a lot. Trader hacks. Which whose name do you hate seeing at the top end of the leaderboards? Now I really like this question because from my point of view. Obviously, I'm, I know more people in the community better than others. And the people that I really know, I genuinely am, am really happy when, you know, I see them at the top. But from my perspective, it's always right. If I'm not going to win, 
I want it to be one of the people that I'm in chats with or that I speak to on the podcast, quite a lot of people that I know, or I want it to be a completely new user that I've never heard of in my life. So, I mean, there's obviously Mad Dog is the one that stands out and I hate seeing him up there because I don't know who he is. He doesn't want to talk to us. You, know, like, you can't get through to it. So I don't like it. Things like Vin Unleaded is a very good player that you can't really get through to the maxi. Those kind of people, I hate seeing him at the top. Just because I'm like, well, if it's not someone that I know quite well, if it's not myself and it's and it's not a new user, they're the three things that I like seeing. So is there anyone that you don't particularly like seeing at the top? Um I can't I can't I really can't think of names, but you're right. Generally, I mean, I, I'm not in like chat groups apart from sort of Slack with loads of people. Um, but so the names that I look at for are yours, trader. I love seeing at the top just because every time he's been on your podcast, he just cracks me up. I love being on a listening to him and love being on a podcast with him you know he just he cracks me up um it's brilliant it is brilliant i don't like yeah maybe mad dog just because he's gone on such a tear but i actually approached him on slack and have had a few sort of mini chats with him on there but you're right he's just like you don't see him anywhere really do you it's just weird I always think that's probably for the best, you know. I always think I'd do better if I wasn't so engrossed sometimes. Because I think certainly one thing I've noticed, the monsters, obviously I've had, what well, we had three. And obviously I had one where I came third and the other two have been nowhere near. And every single time on those, it's when I've been looking at the group chat in the morning and people going, oh, but what about this player? What about this player? And sometimes I'm like, I just need to get rid of it like trust myself your gut is always right I'm, I'm always convinced your first lineup that you put in is probably always the one that you're most confident in and that's the, yeah no i never go on slack first thing uh, yeah you know, i try and ignore it until football starts yeah that's right? that's one of my biggest downfalls that's something that i'm trying to do this year is to stay away from anybody else's opinion because it's so easy to get swayed if someone mentions a player you're like oh yeah i might as well stick him in one just in case and then it all just you do that 10 times and all your lineups have changed completely so yeah it's quite an interesting thing um again another great question gertie are there any players in your collection you feel you're short on there's a few like sometimes like the european players mainly um I keep putting bids in. I keep forgetting to like keep a cash balance. I'm awful at keeping a cash balance. I was awful on football index and I'm still awful now. I'm getting better. So often I'll put bids in in the morning, then, you know, and during the day I'll buy something or, you know, buy a pack or something like that. And then when it comes to the actual auction, suddenly there's no money left in my account. So you might see my name on there and then. Yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that drives me around the bend because I, you know, I look at it and I think, oh, but uh, yeah, so a lot of the European players and with the European football coming back, I can't wait for that. I don't even loads of each of them, but I don't know, just like the buzz of it. It was just something different, wasn't it? It was different players that you had to think about. So yeah, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. But the main ones are the obvious ones. Bruno, I think I have four of. Um, KDB, Salas, all of those now I do have you know, enough to sort of get by. Kane, I still need to buy some more. And every time I look at him, I think, well, his price has got to go down soon. But it just slowly has been creeping up. It has fluctuations like when tournaments end, but the general trend for Kane is upwards. Um, Yeah, just those ones. And a few younger players who I've been buying a fair amount of, uh, but I still wish I had more of. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It's the top players that I'm still slightly short on. And players that I wish I could buy loads more of. I'm exactly the same currently. And I know, I think it was mentioned on Slack the other day that potentially 
prices aren't rising on the whole as such because lots of money is going into the auctions and that I, that couldn't be true for me i reckon the last two months i've maybe bought about 10 prem players and the rest i've been all on the european players bidding on the european players just because i feel like for me it's a better trading opportunity and i feel like it's a lot more volatile purely because i want to wait until the prem supply and demand is sorted and then that's when i'll go back into that because obviously they're way more useful so i'm not saying that you know sell all your prem players to go into the euro ones but where i'm in the nice position where i've got the prem players that i need for me that's where i've i've gone down but that uh, there's always players that you you rock up to on a contest and you think oh god i ain't got enough it was gundawan for me midweek i didn't own it about four and i had to buy about four for about four pound each and i was like what a ripoff but it's <laughs> that's you know it's one of those things isn't it that then i won't sell him now so hopefully i won't be short again but yeah it's quite an interesting thing that even like you said we've probably got bigger collections in the community but there is never a time where i sit there and go i've got everyone i need ever like there's always people you can get more of or people that you know people that you can see going up in capital appreciation. There's so many right now that I would love to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like Foden. I, there was a time I think I had about 50 and I've got 20 now. And I'm like, that is not enough. Every time I watch that kid, he, he's brilliant. Yeah. His price kept on, kept on um, dropping for a while, didn't it? So I just, you're right. I had quite a few of them. I think I still have 20 to be fair. So I've got still got quite a few. But I did have more than that. But his price kept him going down because he wasn't getting game time. And now he just looks like a complete player, doesn't he? But Yeah, I've, I've hedged my bets wrong there. I'm, I'm about 150 of Greenwood and 20 of Foden. I wish it was the other way around because, uh, yeah, I, I think Greenwood's going to be limited a bit this year. Um, okay, next question. Thank you for that, Gertie. Ben PZ. And again, I love this one because this really sits in my head massively. So I personally find silver contests a lot harder than gold. Do you find that there is a difference in difficulty between the two? And if so, why do you think that is? Well, I think to start off with, the silver contests get more entries. So that's something a lot of people tend to ignore. And the bronze, again, I think, I, I can't remember roughly, it's like an extra 100% of entries as you go down through the thing. So generally, say, if a gold's got 100 entries, silver's going to have 200 or something like that or maybe more, but for a lot of the ones I looked at, so there's a lot more entries in those. So therefore a lot more combinations are going to be, so you have to have a slightly better, you know, whereas in gold, you maybe can get away with having a player that doesn't do particularly well, or even some, in some cases doesn't play, you know, that's not going to happen in the silver and definitely, you know, not going to happen in the bronze because there's more users, there's more combinations of players. So I think that is one, but yeah, I think, my silver results, as I mentioned earlier, are absurdly, you know, are rubbish compared to the gold entries. And I think that's often because I tend to hedge because the, the bigger price pools in the gold generally, then, you know, that's the one you want to try and get your optimal builds in. And then, you know, you'll use the silver for curveballs. Um, so I think silver would favour people where, you know, they're entering bronze and silver and they're not touching the golds they're putting their optimal builds into the silver. So maybe they've got a better chance of winning on a lot of weeks. So that, that when I was thinking about this question, that was the only thing I could think of. Uh, I, I absolutely agree. And the, the only other thing that I think of is that in uh, this is slightly off topic, but in terms of golds, I think people struggle to put in the lower stars. I think people still have got this habit of, Oh, I can't put a one star in a, in a 
gold. I mean, for example, this month, obviously, Ziyech is currently a one star and he seems to be back fit and playing again. I don't know if it's a case of people log on in the morning and then they scroll through the thing and they don't even scroll down to the one stars to see those kind of things. But And then the other thing kind of related to that is that Silvers, I think, is it 21 stars? I don't know if people still think, oh, I've got to use all 21. Or I that's in my mindset. I go, oh, I've only got a team of 18 here. And I'm like, could I be using uh, more stars somewhere else? And I don't know if that comes into your thinking at all, but do you... It does a bit, yeah. But sometimes I actually perversely like going either way. I like trying to, you know, try and get as few as use as few stars as possible. De- often, often that happens in the silvers because I'm trying the curveballs. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. I know when I was doing my lineups earlier for the virtuals this evening, you know, there was a couple of one stars that I debated whether putting into gold, and I think I have in one lineup, but you know. Yeah, virtuals is a different ball game. Virtuals, in my mind, is hedge central, hedge for the best. I don't know. What, do your virtual tactics differ, or um, these days I'll pick a for each competition. I pick a sort of strategy and I will go with that one. Um, I'll maybe completely ignore one game that I think you know is likely to be a draw or even a nil nil, and then you know in silver I might do conversely the opposite again. But uh, yeah. So it definitely definitely differs, and it's a lot more about you know just being hard nosed, trying to ignore the players' names and literally just think about what chance they have of scoring and their team of winning. Yeah. I genuinely don't look at the teams. I don't look at the PPGs. The players are just like they're just there. I just genuinely, if there's five games, I'll go hey, this team, this team, this team, and stick three players in for each. And sometimes you get lucky and they win, and sometimes you don't. I, my general my virtuals is just pick anyone shove them in and hope for the best and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't I feel like we're never going to be able to to like work out Oliver's magic system that he's put in there didn't you have a staggeringly high score in one of them recently I can't remember which one it yeah was. that um there's loads of goals one virtual week. yeah the Friday one but it was just the the big virtual and I had 10 teams and nine of them were useless and I had one that yeah scored like over 400 it was um yeah the Brighton players scored like 50 each and that was like crazy Bruyne and Walker yeah. and yeah that was crazy but like I said my other nine were horrendous and were nowhere near the cash so it was a bit of a case of well I got lucky and those three teams won and those three players did it so yeah I mean it's a different ball game virtuals for sure um Hacks has asked can dogs look up I didn't really understand this question because surely the answer yeah. is yes <laughs> I, weirdly, I read this when I was, like, went out for a walk and then I was in the park and every time I walked past a dog, I was trying to look and I couldn't see anything looking up. So my answer is, I, I've no idea. I don't own a dog. No, well, Hoodwink, Hoodwink has put his famous sausage dogs in the, the shower and they are both looking up. So I'm going to say the answer is yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't even click on yeah, that. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, okay, his, his next question. Um, have you bought anything nice with everyone else's money yet? Um, yeah, I bought loads more player cards. <laughs> Thanks, community. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then his actual question. Um, what would be the simplest piece of advice you would give regarding building teams for contests to other users? Um, well, let's go with proper football rather than virtuals because it's completely... Yeah, definitely, yeah. I would say... Look at the fixtures to start off with. 
don't just go blindly into buying packs. Don't go even blindly into buying in the market. Certainly don't touch auctions to start off with because, you know, it's the players you'll need, you're not going to get at a cheap enough price at the moment. Um, so I'd say look at the fixtures, always max out from the bottom. So like the free roll, make sure you've got an entry in that first, then max out bronze before you even touch silver. If you can afford silver, if you've got the bank pool, then max that out and go up that way. Don't like stick one entry in gold and hope you win. You may win, you may get lucky, but most people won't. Um, and also you need more expensive players really to win in that one. So build up from the bottom. You can build, um, I haven't tried it, so excuse me if it isn't possible, but I reckon for a tenner, I could build a winning, winning bronze team. Uh, it may not win every week, but you can definitely do it. There's so many players that are under a pound that have the potential to score, you know, on certain game weeks. You know, you look at the Burnley team who are starting to turn a corner and keep clean sheets, so their defenders are good. You know, Ashley Barnes, you know, he hasn't scored, but he's had shitloads of chances. Surely he's got to start calling them in, and he's like 50p or something at the moment, or and a one-star. So... I'd say build up from the bottom and be calculated. Look at the fixtures coming up. Maybe, you know, a team where their players are cheap have got loads of easy fixtures coming up. So build it up organically. Yep. No, I'd absolutely agree. I think that's great advice. Um, CBN has asked, if you can reimagine yourself as a new user, what's the one thing you wish you knew then that you now know? Roulette. I've... <laughs> I went through a roulette phase when I went back onto the platform. And I think like every mugger gambles, you know, ever in any casino in the world, I had one big win right at the start and then thought, oh, this is easy. And then proceeded to lose loads of cards. Um, so occasionally I'll go back into it for fun if I'm watching one of Lethal's streams or, you know, just if someone mentions that there's one that's nearly full, then I'll go in. But it's rare or occasionally, but... But just avoid those sort of things to start off with. Over time, you'll build up a collection of players and suddenly one of those players will become good at roulette and you'll have loads of them. Just use it then. You know, it's like there's plenty of things to be getting on with. If you're interested in just gambling, then sure, have a crack at it. If you're interested in making money, building a collection and challenging for the biggest cash prizes on footstock, then, you know, buy players on the platform who... You rate if you've got an interest in football and you follow a team that isn't like massively popular, then like Burnley, sorry Tom, then uh, you know, then look at their players. Maybe they've got a youth player you think's just about to crack through. There's so many different ways that you can do this platform. You know, Callum bangs on around it, uh, bangs on about it every single podcast, and it's completely true. I mean, you know, make sure you're buying credit for you know less than the hundred percent of the value of the tournament entries. And we spoke about it earlier, and there's so many different ways to do that. But um, no, there's don't dive in. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. People, I mean, I said this on last week with Hoodwink and Ronnie. The amount of people that I speak to, the first thing they ever do is ask for roulette, is look for roulette, is is all that kind of thing. It really does baffle me. And you know, hope I don't know. Obviously, if roulette is going to be transferred across, I would imagine in some sort of form. Um, but I think, I think it's good for the platform having it on there. Don't get me wrong. I just think that it maybe should be switched off for new users just for, I don't know, one month or something like that. Just for that first month when they can go on Slack or go on Twitter and absorb all the information about it. And then it can be switched on a month down the line or after they've achieved certain things within the, 
reward section or something like that, you know, or maybe they'd be so like hyped up about it, they'd you know, burn all their cards on it as soon as they got it. But just something that's, you know, avoid, takes those things out of New Year's eyes. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that they're, they're really working on the, the use, new user on board. And obviously we don't see it really from our perspective, but I know there's a lot more to it. And obviously the coaching system, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully the, you know, now that Slack is on the, the main footstock thing, like join the Slack, like that's a hundred percent where the best place to be is. So yeah, there, there's loads of ways that they can start to combat that. But like you said, it, it's it's good for gamblers, but at the same time, it, I don't think it's a, a long-term strategy to particularly make money on the platform, uh, that's for sure. So um, I think we've got a final question here from World Cup Dan B. What has been your plan regarding buying the European players and how will that change this year? I've, I've looked at players to start off with of teams. Uh, I mean, this is not going to be rocket science teams that I think potentially could go far teams from leagues I think will be the next ones that will open from footstock so you know some people think it's going to be Germany other people have said they think it might be a different country and you know I've got the one I'm backing and I'm buying players from that that nation at the moment and then aside from that looking at players for the future so I've got footstock open right in front of me right now and I keep seeing them scroll across the auctions for today and Masala, or I'm probably pronounce, probably destroying his name there. I've watched him a few times now, and that kid excites me. He's English, he can dribble, he just looks uber confident at like 18 or every old he is. And so I'll put some bids in and I'll try and make sure that um, I've got some money to actually pay those bids if it's yeah. good. So, yeah, so that sort of strategy. But as I said, my collection is getting just about getting to a point where I've got enough players for the Premier League. It's still not there yet. I still, you know, on the last gold entry, I might be, you know, not over Bruno, whereas I desperately want one. But I'm getting to a point now where I can start to concentrate on European players. Um, and it's great having them on the platform. And I think that a lot of the problems is that they've had so many players to add to the platform. I think that We'll see collection values, and I know that people shouldn't be worried about them, but people always will be. I think there'll be a general trend of them continuing to go up from now on because a lot of the main players are now on there, and a lot of the you know the, the auctions are going to be slightly fewer of players that you're desperately wanting going forward by the, probably you know February time. I know this month's going to be bonkers. We've got Sancho, Harland, and people like that, but yeah, generally that sort of strategy. I'm definitely going for it with them. Yeah, I I love it. And the fact that I know that if I didn't do it, there's so many people that have said to me, ah, I'm not going to play Euros. Uh, I'm just, just going to sign my collection. I know full well that FOMO will kick in big time and there are going to be people buying these cars left, right and centre come the summer. I have no doubt about it. Um, I'm sure that there'll be some kind of tournament long competition i don't know if it'll be like the 100k or, but there'll be something like that that people are going to want to enter and there is nothing else to do in the summer <laughs> obviously hopefully the world's slightly better and we can go out and do things but the euros are such a big pool that anyone i'm assuming again i have no idea i'm assuming marketing will be pushed up come the euros um i'm assuming that, that there will be a lot more users than we currently have now because people will see it and you know they're not going to be able to get them on yeah it really has yeah um and you know they're not going to be able to get those players on auctions so i mean even yesterday i got burnt slightly because there was the makuku one at dortmund and 
um, I got my five bids, which was fine, but I forgot that I was top bid on on him and the auctions went for quite a lot lower than the top bid. So I got sold about an extra 20. So I'm sitting on about 30 of him, but at the same, which is probably slightly too many, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I know currently there's only been 200, there's only 200 in circulation. So I own 20, just less than 20% of that player. And that's what I really like. And that's why I know that Tom's mentioned about transparency in terms of data and things like that coming soon. But that's for me why, I'm more inclined to the, the Euro players and the Prem players because I know my, uh, I've maybe got 70 sackers. I, that's probably, I could be completely wrong, 5% max of sacker, probably less than that, to be honest. And that's why I'm, I'm more inclined to, and I'm happy to play the long, 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 long game and see it for five years and, those players will filter into the Prem. Some of them will get transferred. Um, it was even this morning, I saw that Zerki might be going to Everton um, on loan, I think, from, from Bayern, and he's actually on auction today. So it's those kind of things that I'm happy to buy and sit there and let them sit in my collection. And I said this, I think, last week, every card has got its day. Every card will be... We saw it with the... I can't remember who it was. I think it was the Molder players in the Europa League that they were at home to somebody terrible. I can't remember who it was, but um, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Um, and people were paying like £15 for these players that on auction were about 30p because, you know, and that's what, um, again, I don't particularly want to keep going on about it, but in terms of the patron, one of the things that we're going to be doing is a, a weekly kind of um, each European team. And I've had a look at the first one today and there's loads of players that are currently like 50, 60 P that don't really have a use for their club. They don't really, you know, you're not going to use them, but come the Euros, they're actually turned into really key players that have got favorable fixtures. For example, there are teams that are playing North Macedonia in the Euros in the groups and whoever plays for those teams, people are going to be wanting those players. So you know, there's so many ways to play it with those European auctions. Um, That's one of the first things I look at as well, is like, are they an international player? You know, like uh, Mounier's just scrolled across. You know, he will be probably first choice for Belgium. Belgium, yeah. And fullback, and they often play with wingbacks. So not only is he good for Dortmund, but also he's going to be good for Belgium. Yeah, and you know, you look at things, ones that stick out straight in my brain, obviously Shakiri is you know, one of Switzerland's most important players yet for Liverpool barely plays. And, you know, Zinchenko plays like number 10 for Ukraine or something. And it's those kind of players that if you get ahead of the game, I know now that we've mentioned it on the podcast, probably not going to be ahead of the game, but um, it's those kind of things. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that if people moan that they can't make money or they can't trade, like I could tell you 50 players right now that I could be pretty sure will be worth more than now than sorry more in a month's time than now and you know with those i know we've got a bit of a tangent but those auction players knowing the the scarcity of it i think for me that's where my best trading opportunities are but everybody can play it completely differently um finally then david finally i just want you know if you could give us um i know that we've done it on the preview podcast but i'm also aware that those get slightly less listeners than the main one um obviously this is going out on the sunday in front of the double game week who give me three i want three players that you are back in the at the end of this double game week when we see footstop monkey at the top of those contests who are the three players that are going to be responsible for your winnings um i'm a liverpool supporter so i'm going to go with salah 
up front. Um, oh, I really don't want to pick him, but like it just it sounds so obvious. But KDB, because Pep's already said that he's going to play every Premier League game. Uh, I'll sod it. I'll go with Foden because he's in form and I can't see Pep dropping him. And then fullback. I'm going to go with Kufal, not the obvious fullback for West Ham. Uh, Cresswell obviously is over a lot of sets, but Kufal's looked excellent going forward as well. So he has got as many assists as Cresswell this season as well. But yeah, no, certainly. Um, I cannot wait for this game week, genuinely. And just, you know, for me, this is what Footstock's all about, you know, looking at the, in advance, looking at those fixtures, looking at teams with double game weeks and all those kind of things, and, you know, really putting it to the test and, it's one of those that Tom bangs on about it all the time. I know that it won't suit some people, so you don't have to play the the long week one. You can play the Saturday contest. You can play the Sunday contest. You can play the, the Monday one. And that's the thing. Or even if that, you don't want to put it lineups, pick the single games. And that's, you know, for me, why Footstock is so has the potential to be so popular because there are so many different ways of, you know, the platform. Um, David, thank you so much for joining us as always. I've learned a lot from it in terms of strategy and those kind of things. And I'm sure everybody else will. Um, if anybody wants to find you, are there any particular ways that's the easiest to get hold of you? They want to have a chat? No, just on Slack, whereas I'm FS monkey, um, and on Twitter, but often I miss messages on that, but it's, uh, at footstock monkey on there. But uh, yeah, and also I just wanted to say congrats on winning the 100k. Don't get me started on that, David. <laughs> <laughs> because I know full well that there are so many game weeks left. <laughs> and I know that, you know, I, yeah, don't get me started on that. Well, if I can't win it and I won't this year, then, uh, you know, I'll be really Just before we finish, are you entering more now? Um, probably not this week, but normally I enter before the star changes every month. So I'll probably now enter a few more towards the end of this month when towards the transfer window closing. I don't think there's going to be any massive transfers during the transfer window, but you never know, do you? So Yeah, I'm just hoping for lots more postponements, movement around and all those kind of things. But um, I generally, there are so many fixtures still left. There are so, All it takes is two players to get a hat-trick and somebody jumps me straight over. So we could be sitting here next week and I'm down in fifth and the dream is over. Um, yeah. But yeah, Don't spend the money just No, yet. I won't do. I'll hold off for a little bit. Uh, David, thank you very much for joining us. Listeners, we'll be back um, next week, obviously with a preview podcast before game week 20, which I think starts next weekend. And then obviously we'll be back with the normal weekly podcast on Sunday at 9pm for your listening. We hope you really enjoy the double game week. Final plug, like I said, check out the Patreon if you want to support this work. A lot of time and effort goes into it, so we'd really appreciate the support. But until then, have a great week. We'll speak to you next time.